Lord, everybody. Oh, God. It's good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. I look forward to being in the house of the Lord. I'm one of those people that says, I was glad when they said unto me, come, let us go into the house of the Lord. And I look forward into going into the house of the Lord. You go into the house of the Lord frequently enough, you'll realize there's something about being in the house of the Lord. There's something about no matter how your day went, no matter how you feel, no matter what challenges and struggles you had throughout the day, when you go into the house of the Lord, it just feels like everything is just right. Everything is just right when we go in the house of the Lord, no matter what we are experiencing and no matter what challenges we're dealing with, but just being in the house of the Lord. Amen. The presence of the Lord, the saints of God, the word of God, all of those things together just does an amazing work within ourself, within our hearts and minds, and we thank God for that. Amen. Well, we're going to go right into prayer and then get right into the word of the Lord. Amen. If you will stand with us. Amen. We're going to go right into prayer. We've been um, teaching on the book of Acts, studying the book of Acts, going through the book of Acts. And um, in case you haven't thought about why we're doing that, I'm doing that. I'm trying to get us all in that mindset um, of what we see happening in the book of Acts because that's the mindset that we want to continue to go into the new facility with. We want our uh, transition to where we're going. We want to be equipped. And how many know that God equipped you for what's ahead? He don't wait till you get there to equip you. He equipped you for what's ahead. And we've been going through the book of Acts because we want God to equip us for what's ahead. And so we're going to get into the book of Acts tonight again. And um, we're going to continue to look through it until we start to exemplify, till we start to behave the way the church in the book of Acts behave and what they demonstrated, because that's the blueprint right there. When the church started, that's what it looked like when the church first started. And so if we're going to be the church, we have to follow the blueprint that the Lord Jesus Christ established. And that's what we're striving for. We're striving to be exactly what God called us to be, the church, and to fulfill his purpose. So if you would pray with me about those things, about us being the church, about us being equipped and prepared for where God has taken us, and that we will not just be hearers, but doers of the word of God, that we can begin to live out what God intends for us to live out. Let us pray together. Father, in your precious name, the name that's above every name, Hallelujah. I feel your presence, Lord. I thank you for your presence, Lord. I thank you for your goodness, Lord. Oh, God, we're so grateful that even when we're not thinking about you, you're thinking about us. Even, almighty God, when our minds are on different things that are not kingdom related, you are still thinking about us. 
And oh my God, we've come into the house of the Lord one more time. One more time, Lord, to come together as the children of God, the saints of God. One more time to come together to worship you together, Lord. One more time, Almighty God, we've come together to hear what the Spirit is saying unto us. One more time, Lord God, we've come together to learn and to apply the Word of God in our lives, Lord. Father, we have called on your name from time to time again, Lord, that we just don't want to be hearers, Lord. We don't just want to have knowledge, Almighty God, but Lord, we want to live out the word of God. We want the word to manifest in our life by the actions that we do, Lord. Lord Jesus, will you help us here tonight that every word that we read, every word that is spoken, Lord, we can take it, implement it in our life, Lord, that that word will be alive in our life, that that word will move us to action, that that word, almighty God, will be manifested, Lord, where your will can be done in us individually and collectively, where your will, oh God, will truly be seen and known among men, Lord. We're here tonight, Lord, asking for your will to be done, asking for your power to be unleashed, asking, almighty God, that we be the church and we reveal the glory of the Lord, asking Almighty God that you will be glorified. Your name will be great among us, O oh God. We've come tonight, Lord Jesus, to ask that you will speak to us, to ask that you will convict our hearts, to ask that you will give us what we need, Lord God, tonight, that we can take it, Lord, and live it, Lord God. Hear our cry tonight, Lord God. Bind us together, if you will, in one accord in unity of your spirit that we, Lord God, together will fulfill the purpose, will fulfill the will of God. In the name of Jesus, will you have your way tonight, Lord? Will you allow me to flow in the spirit? Will you touch the heart of your people that we may hear and receive and respond in faith and obedience to the word of God? Oh, great God, have your way tonight as we give you praise as we magnify the name of Jesus. Will you have your way tonight, Lord? Will you remove all distractions, Lord? Will you remove all distractions, Lord? Will you help us tonight to be focused, to be attentive, Lord? And oh, God, that we can receive what you have in store for us. Lord, we don't want to leave without a touch from you tonight. We don't want to leave, oh, God, without our life being different from when we first came in. Oh God, overshadow us with your power. Overshadow us by your spirit. Stir up the gift of the Holy Ghost that is in us, Lord, that your will may be done. Your kingdom come. Have your way tonight, sweet Jesus. We give you the praise and the honor and the glory, for there is none like you. There is none like you, Jesus. There is none like you. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me, blessed be your holy name, Jesus. There is none like you, Jesus. We give you the praise, Jesus. You're glorious, you're sweeter than the honey of the honeycomb, and we love you tonight. We bless your name, oh great God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Thank you, Jesus. 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 We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. There is none like you, Jesus. There is none like you, Jesus. You are our strength. You are our life, oh God. Without you, we are nothing. Without you, we can do nothing. Oh, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Oh, glorious God. Oh, wonderful Savior. Who can compare to thee? There is none like you, oh, great God. You are glorious, Lord. You are love. And you are amazing, Lord. Sovereign. You're all-powerful, Lord. You're all-knowing, Lord. And you're present everywhere. There's only one Lord. There's only one God. And you have revealed yourself to us, Lord Jesus, and we worship you. We're so thankful, oh God, that you reveal yourself to us. Your grace has appeared unto all men, and oh God, we're grateful that the grace of God appeared unto us, for without your grace, where would we be? Without your grace, where would we be? Without your love, oh, where would we be? Jesus, have your way in this place tonight. Jesus, have your way in this place tonight. Oh, we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Oh, God, we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. Great is the Lord. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Jesus, you're the high and lofty one. You're the high and lofty one. Heaven is your throne, Lord God. It is you alone that sit on the throne. And you reign forever, 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 Lord. Oh, great King, you are our King, Lord God. Oh, great God, we bow down before you. Oh, great God, we worship you and you only. Oh, great God, we are so grateful and thankful. Oh, God, for all your kindness, your mercy, and your love. Yes, Oh, Jesus, have your way. Help this church, Lord. Move on us, Lord God, individually and collectively, Lord God. Help us to grow into the Christian man, Christian woman, Christian young person, Christian child, Lord God. Help us to grow and mature and take our rightful place in you, Lord God. Help us to stand, oh God, on your word, to not waver in our faith, almighty God, but to be anchored in you. Oh God, to put all of our focus on you, Lord Jesus. Oh my God, I love you. Oh my God, I bless your name. Oh my God, there is none like you. King of kings, Lord of lords, great I am, lily of the valley, bright and morning star, the one which is, which was, which is to come, the only wise God, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> In the beginning was the 
was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Lord, we want the Word to abiding us. We want the Word to move us. We want the Word to dwell in us. Oh, help us to abide in you and your Word to abide in us, Lord God. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're the Lord of Lords. You're the great I am. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We bless your name. You're so good. Your mercy everlasting. Your truth endured to all generations. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Church, if you want to be what you feel God has called you to be, this is your time. This is your hour. I feel God did something Sunday morning. You'll probably hear me continue to say that because I just feel strongly that he did. Uh, I feel like he, he did something particular in all of us and in this church. He broke something. He, 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 he did something really miraculous. And, and we will see the benefits of it as we continue to go forward. What he did in here Sunday morning at our 9 a.m. service. He, he did something. And he's going to continue to work in us. But it's a matter of how willing are we going to be and allow him to work in us. You know, I, I wanted to, uh, I know sometimes some of our traditional church are not used to things like this, but Sunday morning at 9 a.m., I really wanted to just say, give me the mic, Brother Scarlett, and have the mic passed around to every person I felt like God spoke to that morning, because I know God was speaking that morning. And we ought to get to the place where we become comfortable, because somehow we think that um, the holier you are, the more God is going to speak to you. And I don't know if that's the case. I think probably the more unholy you are, the more he speaks to you, because he's trying to get you to get on track. Don't get me started. My oldest son probably heard God's voice more than I have heard God's voice. So don't get me started about, you know, we thinking that because we're holy and we're righteous, we're going to always hear from God. God speaks to whoever he wants, whenever he wants, and there's no set thing that tells us anything. Yes, if we decide that we're going to follow him, that we can do his will, yes, we will hear from him because he has to instruct us to do what he needs us to do. But God will speak to whomever he wants, whenever he wanted. And so Sunday morning, I felt like giving the mic to some people. I didn't. I just went ahead and did what I did. But I, of course, went home and asked my wife. I said, so tell me what God said. Because I knew God was speaking to people. Whether you all want to be shame or shy or whatever, that's on y'all. But we have to get to a place where we understand we have to be comfortable with the things of God and spirituality and stop making out to be make it out to be some crazy thing. It's not some crazy thing. God is God and he speaks to whoever he wants to speak to. God does miracles and powerful things and that's just the way it is. If we are a child of God seeking God, God will do something. We can be a heathen and God will still do something in our life because God died for everyone. So let's not make this thing out to be certain people have, a, you know, they got the ends on God. Certain people is, is, the, is the guru. And, uh, we got to get rid of that because we're stunting the church and God's people from growing when we think that some certain people are gurus. And so God can't talk to this one and God can't talk to that. God can speak to whoever he wants. 
And so as he moves Sunday, I've got to be nosy and I'll be asking all of them. But since my wife was the one I live with and I can ask her, I said, so what happened Sunday morning? She said she was in the back and the Lord tell her, if you will go to the front and bow down and worship me, I'm going to do something. So she confirmed what I already know, that God said he would do something. I just don't know what he did. He hadn't showed me that yet, but I know that he did something Sunday morning. And so she went and she did what God told her to do and God just continued to move. And I'm sure he spoke to Sister Josephine. I'm sure he spoke to Sister Florence. I'm sure he speak, spoke to Gabby. I know he was speaking in this church Sunday morning. But y'all got to get comfortable and let me pass to this church and do what got to be done. And what that means is don't be shy. If I come to you and say, what did God say? Just say what you feel that God had put into your heart. It even transferred over. We do at my house, um, we do devotional on Wednesdays. And so before we have our leadership meeting, we're at the house and we have a great devotional book that we use. And so um, last night we're talking and I'm trying to get the kids to, to find out if they hear from God. And I want them to get to the place where they become comfortable in hearing from God. So I'm trying to figure out, you know, let them realize how you can hear from God. And so we talked about it. And, you know, um, I point out to Jordan that he might not think that's God when he does certain things. But I said, but that's God that's directing you. You're not going to direct yourself to do that. So he, he's getting an understanding that, you know, you don't just get a feeling sometimes and that's all it is. God will put the feeling in you to go do godly things. So if you find yourself doing godly things, that wasn't you. And that was sure enough wasn't the devil. So sometimes you got to realize, why do I feel compelled that I have to go and do this? If it's godly, then it's God telling you that. So I pointed that out to him. So then I asked my daughter, do you feel like God has ever spoken to you? And she said, I think so. I said, well, give that to me. She said, I was in Mississippi and you know when you go to Mississippi to um, the apostolic conference uh, at some point in time they take the young people the kids with them over to one area and the adults over the other area while we're having church they're having church and so the, the night that she received the Holy Ghost she said she was just sitting in the back and something said go to the front I said really she said yes something told me to go to the front and then when I went to the front I just started worshiping God and God filled me with the Holy Ghost she never told anybody that story before that the something told her to walk to the front she was just back there and she wasn't doing anything and something told her to work we have to become comfortable in realizing God is speaking to everybody we don't have we don't have this thing on it where oh God spoke to me and now y'all got to come hear me because I'm the guru that's not how God works they, they, that, that thing has been when when Jesus died, that that was gone. Remember, they used to have to go to the high priest to get a word that that's been gone. You get the word directly. So God is speaking to whomever he wants to speak to. Just don't get it all twisted. If it ain't from God, don't say it. You may be seated. <laughs> so we've been studying the book of Acts and tonight we're going to go through Acts chapter we're going to revisit some of the, the scriptures in Acts chapter 3 because there's some things I want to really point out so we can really get it. So Acts chapter 3, we'll pick back up in verse 11 and go through that. Then we'll get into Acts chapter 4 and we'll pick up from verse 1 in chapter 4 and go through a little bit. So in all those texts we're going to read tonight, you're going to see something. In Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18. We read of Peter receiving the keys to the kingdom of heaven. So in Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18, remember the text says, 
And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Check it out. Verse 19. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 and 19, we read that Jesus says, Peter, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of of heaven. Is that correct? Did we see that in the text where Jesus said to Peter, I am given to you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. So we know for sure that Jesus said, Peter, we, I give to you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. The passages we will go over this evening in Acts will display Peter utilizing the keys to the kingdom of heaven. So it's one thing to receive something it's a whole different thing to utilize what you have received. And I can't get away from that. And I don't know how long that's been in my cause about you have to do something with what God has given you. You have to, when, when you receive from the Lord, he doesn't want you to just have it and, and, and just bottle it up and, and keep it for your own good. Whatever God has given to you, he's given it to you so you can be a blessing to somebody else. So God is not giving you something for you to say, oh yes, I've got this and I've got that. No, God has given it to you so you can do something to bless the kingdom, to bless others with it. So the Lord told Peter, I give thee the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And guess what? Peter didn't just sit around with the keys and says, guess what? I got the keys. You remember the guy that received the one talent? That's what he did. He got the talent, sat around and says, I got the talent. God is not entrusting gifts and talents with you for you to sit around with it. You have to take what God has given you and do something with it. Because we don't even understand that until we do something with it, we will never get to live out our potential in God. So whatever God has given to you, start doing something with it. And amazingly, you will see that as you continue to do something with it, other doors will open and you will begin to see God will do some amazing things in your life. But you have to start doing something with what God has entrusted you with. So Peter started doing something with the keys. He started using the keys. We know that it was Peter who preached the first message of salvation in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, verse 14 through 47, that was all Peter. That was the first time the message of salvation was preached to the church. And Peter was the one that preached it. But 
Guess what? He received the keys before that time. And he decided, I am going to use what God has given me. Keys represent authority. So it wasn't literal keys that you put in the door in the keyhole. But God says, I'm giving you the authority and giving you the blueprint of what you need to use to help people know me and help people get saved. And so Peter had the keys, but he didn't just hold on to them. He started using them. And so the very first thing he did, he preached the message of salvation in the book of Acts. From Acts chapter 2, verse 14, all the way up to verse 47, Peter was utilizing the keys. You and I have those same keys Peter received when Jesus says, I will give you the keys. You and I still have those keys today. When we receive the revelation of who the Lord Jesus Christ is, that he's the Lord of Lord, the King of Kings, and that he's God manifest in flesh, when we receive that revelation and God filled with his spirit, we receive the keys that Peter received, and now we can go and do the same things Peter did. I'm not promising you the same results Peter, uh, you know, end up doing, Because God determines results. All we need to do is do what Peter did because just like God entrusted Peter with the keys, God has entrusted us today with his keys. So you have the keys to the kingdom of heaven if you now know who Jesus is. If you are now filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit, you do have the keys. What are we doing with the keys? Is the keys for special people? Is the keys, was the keys just for Peter? Or God decided that he was starting with Peter, but the church would have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Help us tonight, Lord. So here we pick up in Acts chapter 3, verse 11, where Peter is again using the keys to the kingdom. Listen to me. I try to make living for Christ as simple as I can make it. And there are certain things that will continue to just repeat itself through Scripture. Here is something that will continue to repeat itself through Scripture. God will do whatever he has to do for people to take notice of him. God will always do what he needs to do for people to take notice of him. Not because he's an egotistical God, but God knows he's the only savior of mankind. So what God does repeatedly through scripture is he will allow things to happen or he will initiate things to happen. So somebody or a whole lot of people will look to him to say, God, is this you? And when we put our attention on him, then he will show us, yes, it's me, and I love you, and it is my desire to save you and bless you and make you the greatest that you can ever be in me. That's all this is about. All the other nuance that we can get into, it all stems from that. God wants the world to know who he is, that they will turn to him and that he will bless them and save them and give them the greatest life they could ever have. That's all this is about. Now, does that include having a relationship with him? Yes, of course. 
Does that include telling other people? Yes, of course, all the other stuff included. But I just gave you the big picture of what life is really all about, that we come to know who the creator, the true and living God is. And when we come to know him, we should realize that he can do things for us that nobody else can do, that he can save us, that he can keep us, and that he will bless us and make us live our best life that we could ever live. That's what this is about. We can make it pretty any kind of way we want. We can preach till Jesus come about so many other things, and we should. But I just told you what this is all about. Because you can't save yourself, and on your own, you cannot live your best life. None of us could live our best life on our own. We can only live our best life according to God's will and purpose for why we were born. You don't know why you were born on your own. Your daddy and your mama might told you, well, we prayed and God gave us you. And I think this is what God wants. Yeah, it all started with God. So only God really knows what you were born for. Only God really knows why you were born. And even if you were born out of a bad situation, God allowed you to be born because he has a plan. We got to go to him and says, God, this situation of mine is a mess. Why did you allow me to come in this world in this messy situation? And God will say, if you will put your life in my hands, I will show you what I can make out of that messy situation. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. But we like to cry and and say, what's wrong and and all of this stuff. And we never want to turn to God for God to do whatever he needs to do in our life. And so Peter is using the keys. So every opportunity he gets, he begins to preach and teach because that's how you use the keys. And you will see the theme for the next few passages of scriptures that we're going to go through. It really demonstrates that there are there is power in the name of Jesus. You will see in these next passages of scripture that there's power in the name of Jesus. And so as Peter was utilizing the keys, you will see how frequent, how regular, how much emphasis he placed on the name of Jesus. Uh Uh-huh. And so we jump down to Acts chapter 3, verse number 11. It says, and as the lame man. So let's back it up real quick in case you don't know. And I don't want to just assume that you are there with me. So remember the lame man. That every day someone had to carry him to the gate of the temple. So he could not walk. And every day someone, God's word is just filled with stuff. Every day someone bring him or brought him to that gate for him to beg. Because what they say, the best place to beg is at the church door. Is at the gate of the temple. People are going in the temple. They should be righteous enough to give me a couple of dollars. So put me right by the temple gate. So when people are going in to pray, going in to worship God, and I say, alms, alms, they'll give it to me because they know they're going in to worship God. So every day, somebody brought him to the temple gate, and that's what he was doing. Well, on this particular day, Peter and John was going in. And he said, alms, alms. And that day, the Lord moved on Peter, and Peter stopped before he went into prayer and says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And this man leaped up. This man that was 
being carried every day to this temple gate. He leapt up and started running, dancing and shouting like, my goodness, he was healed. And so why am I telling you that? Because that story never stopped. Sometimes we read the scripture and we think about, well, okay, you know, he was healed. God healed him. Well, the story never stopped. Things kept going on. So when somebody get healed, it's not that they just get healed and that's the end of their story. No, God expects more from us. God expects for life is just beginning because before you couldn't do this, this, and this. Now that I've healed you, you can do this, this, and this. So life is just beginning. It's not ending. When you get saved, it's not the end all be all. You don't just sit back and say, man, I repented of my sins. I was baptized in Jesus' name. I'm filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I talk in tongues. I'm holy. I'm righteous. And that's all you got? That's not it. That's not it. So this man was at the gate. He got healed. And now he leapt up and he's walking. And so now he's living out his life. And people are seeing him because they know this was the man that was lame from his young, young age. Came out like that. We don't want to go through stuff to experience the miraculous, but we want to experience the miraculous. I don't know how we reconcile that. We're going to have to reconcile that. If I ask a whole bunch of, you know, Christian, nice Christian people, do you want to see the miraculous? The first thing they will say is yes. But in order for the miraculous to to, to be needed, there must be an impossibility. There must be something that's impossible. So we can't experience the miraculous if there's not something that's impossible. So if we ever say, oh, yeah, Lord, I want to see the impossible. You know what what we're saying? Well, show me something that's impossible so you can make it possible and then we will behold the miraculous. So this man couldn't walk. And so now, this is the only way there was going to be a, the miraculous. Couldn't walk. And so here, when we start reading in Acts chapter 3, verse 11, let's understand that that's what's going on. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. So they're wondering now, what in the world is going on? This dude that couldn't walk, that sat at the temple gate every day asking for money, now he's up and walking? What's going on? And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power, our holiness, we had made this man walk? We like excitement. We like all the, the grand, grandiose stuff. Oh, wow. We like all that stuff. That stuff gets our attention. It does. Got theirs back then and get ours today. You just tell somebody that something, you know, different is happening. Oh, I got to go see that. And God knows that about us. God knows that about us. On the day of Pentecost, when people were first filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking with tongues. That's the very first time people received the infilling of the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 1 through 4. That's the very first time people were being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. 
the Lord Jesus, because he's so good at what he does, he waited until there was a great celebration, festival. Everybody from all kindred, from every walk of life, was all in the town celebrating. He said, mm-hmm. So now I'm going to do something miraculous so they all can see. And he did something miraculous so they all can see. So now everybody start asking questions because God's intention is always that when he does the miraculous, people will begin to look in and says, what is going on? What, what, what is happening here? How is that possible? And so that's why God does the miraculous, not to impress us. He knows he's a miraculous working God. He knows he can do miracles. He knows he can deliver. He knows he can heal. And so God is not doing miracles to impress us. God is doing miracles so people can look to him to realize he is the creator. He is the one that saves. He's the one that heals. He's the one that created us. That's why God is doing miracles, not to impress us. We like to say, God, will you do a miracle? Because why? We want to say our God is the miraculous work in God. That's cool, but that's not why God is doing miracles. God is doing miracles so people will put their attention on him because what he can do for people, nobody else can. So that's why he's trying to get our attention. So when he healed this Lay man, he wasn't doing it because he's trying to impress because God knows who he is. He's the all powerful God. So when he healed this lame man, he healed him. So everyone will know this guy was lame all his life. And he was sitting at this gate, this temple gate all his life. And then all of a sudden, these men said to him, silver and gold, have I none? But such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And they said that and he walked. So now everybody wants to know. How is that possible? And that's God's opportunity to show them how it's possible. It's because it's I, your God, that breathed breath into man's nostril the very beginning of time and man became a living soul. It is I, God, that will part the Red Sea if I have to to make you go through on dry ground so your enemies will not destroy you. It is I, God, who keeps the breath of life in your lungs uh, that you can breathe and live and move. It is I, God, that watches over you and take care of you. You might not pay me any attention. You might never even pray to me. You might even have cursed me, but it's okay. I still love you and I will keep hanging in there with you until you come to the point of recognizing that I exist and that I can do what I need to do in your life. That's why he does miracles, not to stunt, as the young people like to say, not to say, look at me. He is doing miracles so we can realize who he is. The Bible says we were created in his image. So when we're not living like we need to live, we have abandoned our identity because our true identity is in Christ Jesus. It's not in this world. It's not in what the people of Hollywood tell us it is. Our identity is in Christ Jesus. So when we get to know him, we get to know who we really are. And so that's what God is trying to do for all of us, to get us to know who we are claim our real identity and live the way we're supposed to live not beneath but live according to the standard that he created us to live by that's what he's trying to do that's all God is trying to do. This thing is not complicated. We messed up from the very beginning because we tried to do life without him. 
How can you do life without the one that is responsible for life? How can you do life without the one who created life? How can you do it? It's not possible. So while we think we're doing okay, we're not doing okay. Because if we don't have Jesus, we're not doing okay. We're doing okay according to whose standards? According to this world? According to man? But we're not doing okay according to our creator who created us with purpose. Who created us for a specific purpose purpose so what we think we're doing good not until we find jesus so he's doing all these great miracles to get our attention that's why he's doing it so this this lame man he healed using and 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 he's so good god could have just healed the lame man without peter and john he could have just let him be healed But God is a family God. (laughs) He's a personal God. He's a relational God. And so he is interested into us being together and working together. He wants to do this with us together. He's not trying to do everything on his own because he knows that when we have ownership in anything, we do well. So God is using us to help him with what he's doing. He just doesn't want to do it on his own. Because when you do stuff for people, they treat you like, oh, you know, you're just the resource, right? Whenever I need something, I'll just come to you and you just give it to me. And so God is not interested in that. God is interested in us becoming relational, having a relationship. So how do you have, what's the best way to have a relationship with someone? Inclusive. This is what's, you know, worry about our world because we keep on having these little different segments of you know, groups and, and so we're not being inclusive and, you know, we're, and so we have all these, you know, fragmented things going on in society because we, we're excluding people. We're, we're not including people. And, and God said, the Bible says what? For God so loved the world, not specific groups, the world. So he died so the world could be saved. So we cannot be exclusive. We need to be inclusive. Somebody say amen. That's what God is up to. So I don't know what we're up to, but if we're going to be godly, we better get on board with the things that he's doing so we can be the way he wants us to be. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. Many people want the goodness of the Lord Jesus, but they don't want to follow and obey him. I can't say that enough. I can, we can entice people to come to church. We can entice people to whatever we are trying to get them to do if we promise them that they can receive something that they long for that they can't get on their their own. But once they get what they want, they just go back to doing what they want to do. And so, unfortunately, we find ourselves in a place as people that we just want God to give us what we want, but he needs to stay out of our business. What do I tell you all all the time? I got four kids, two of them grown and two are not. Whatever they need from me, I'm going to be all up in their business. You're not borrowing no money from me. And I love my kids. I let them borrow money. Sometimes I think I'm crazy for giving them money, the grown ones. And so, and so, but I still do. I love my kids. I don't want anything to happen to any of them. So I still do try to help them out. But here is the, the deal. I need to know everything. 
I remember the other day my oldest son was talking to his uncle and and his uncle was saying, yeah, I'll do anything for my boy, you know, because he thinks um, my oldest son is his son. And he said, yeah, I'll do anything. Uh, yeah, OK, whatever. I said, that's what uncles do. Uncles don't ask no question. They just do stuff. I said, but parents don't do that. So you can say whatever you want. And so I said, my boy know when to come to me because he know when he come to me, he got to come with all the information. He know when he come to me, he's going to have to tell everything. So sometimes he come to you and hit you up for something. Why? Because he can he don't have to explain nothing to you when he need daddy's money. He going to have to tell me everything and if I don't like how it sounds he's not getting nothing now that's in the natural that's in the natural so now my question is how do we think we need to get all of the goodness from God and we don't do nothing for him tell me about that. how do we expect for, for God to do all these nice things for us but we don't have to commit anything to him does that make good sense to you why are we walking around talking about how blessed I am, but you know you're not doing anything that God is approving of? Why do we think that we're so blessed and highly favored and we're not doing anything for God? We're not doing anything to please God, but we're blessed and highly favored and God has kept me. He's keeping you by grace so you can open your eyes and submit to him and live for him. He's not doing it because he's trying to bless you and make you highly favored. He's trying to save your life. He's trying to save your life. And you walking around here talking about I'm blessed and highly favored and you're just going to live however you want. Oh man, I don't understand that. We, we, want God to be, we want God to be a different parent to us than we are to our children. Go figure that one out. Go work with that one in your mind. You want God to be a different parent to you than you are to your children. You don't put up with no mess from your children, but God needs to put up with all your mess. I don't understand that. I don't understand that. I don't know why we're tricking ourselves and deceiving ourselves in telling ourselves God is something that he's not. You've got to know God, who he is and what he's about. You can't make up stuff in your mind of what you think God is. Verse 13 in Acts chapter 3, verse 13. The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob. This is Peter preaching, using the keys. When you begin to talk to people about the Lord, you are using the keys. And so now here's Peter, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, had glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate, when he was determined to let him go. Watch this. But ye denied the Holy One, capital, and the just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. You know why they wanted a murderer? Instead of Jesus, crucify Jesus, but give us the murderer. Jesus will always make us realize where we're wrong at. You see, people that are like you, they're not going to tell you you're wrong. People that do the same things you do, they're not going to tell you you're doing wrong. They're just going to go along with whatever you're doing, whatever they're doing, whatever y'all are doing, just do it together, and nobody's telling anybody they're wrong. But when you have to deal with Jesus, just looking at him, you're going to know you're wrong. <laughs> and then when you hear his word, you're going to know you're wrong, and people don't like to be told they're wrong. <laughs> And so they desire a murderer over Jesus. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. crucify Jesus. 
But the murderer, eh, we'll let him go. Why? Because we, we're more like the murderer than we are like Jesus. So we're always going to receive those that are kind of more like us. The people that are more like you can't help you grow. The people that are more like you can't help you go where God has taken you. You've got to get around people that agitate you in the way they do things for God, the good things they do. You've got to get around people that's not like you if you want to grow. If you want to stay the same, just get around the same people. Because they stay the same. They do the same thing all the time. So if you don't want to grow, stay with the same people that like you. You want to grow? You want to move? You want to be what God called you to be? Then say, God, get me around people that will help me. Fifteen, and kill the prince of life whom God had raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. Watch this. And his name through faith. In his name had made this man strong. Peter is using the keys. Whom ye see and know, yea, the faith which is by him had given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So Peter is going to work. He's saying this man that you see leaping and walking around and hanging out with us that was at the gate that was lame. It is the name of Jesus. It is the power. It is the holiness of Jesus uh, that made this man whole and make him sound and no more crippled and lame. Peter is using the keys. Uh huh. By those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets, that Christ should suffer, he had so fulfilled. Watch this. Repent ye, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Repent ye. Can I tell you this secret? Secret. Secret time. No, I tell secrets all the time. There are times when you repent and you know, I, I know I'm probably going to end up still doing this wrong again. And there are times when you repent and you feel like I'm free. I'm good. Because repentance is a gift from God. And sometimes you go to God repenting and God really, if I can just show you what's going on in the spirit is saying, okay, I know, I hear you, but, but. You don't really mean that right now. Whatever it is that's going on in your mind, how you feel right now, just how you feel. But you're not really repenting. You're saying words. But it's okay. I love you anyhow. So those are the times when you repent and you didn't feel like you really got freed from whatever you were repenting of because you really don't know your heart. But God knows your heart. And so while you're just saying those words, God is saying, yes, words. He ain't telling you that. He's just such a good God. So he's not telling you words, just words because you're not really repenting. But when you get up from that repentance, you know. Nah, I'm not free. And then there's days when you repent and you get up and say, yes, thank you, Jesus, I'm delivered. Thank you, Jesus, I'm set free. Thank you, Jesus, I can go on and live right. You know those days. Because it's not until you really make up your mind that you're tired of really living like that. But if you want to just keep on just saying words, God not messing with you. He loves you. And he'll let you keep on saying the words. God will deliver you from sin when you get tired of living in sin. 
You can't trick him. You can even trick yourself, but you can't trick God. So when you get on your knees or you stand or whatever you want to do, oh, Lord, forgive me. There's some days where you're just talking and talking. And you just go back to doing whatever you were doing because God never responded to you because God know you not ready to get out of that mess. But when you're ready to get out, oh, God knows your heart. You know, people like that. God knows my heart. He sure does. You might not know your heart. And that's a fact. You don't know your heart. But God knows your heart. So that's why he shows up when you're ready to get delivered. But as long as you're just talking, he lets you stay here and talk. I was telling me and my, my boss and I were talking the other day, and, and I was trying to remember this because, you know, when you're in your lessons, you know, your conversation stuff just start coming out of it. And so I told him about this thing, that, that, that this, this quote that says, sin will take you further than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will cost you more than you can afford. You'll get that later on. You'll get that later on. You want me to tell you again? Sin will take you further than you want to go. What does that mean, preacher? When you decide to do wrong, you're not looking at how bad it could be. I'm just going to, this is just all I'm going to do. I'm not trying to get into all of that. I'm not trying to do all of that. I just, just this right here. I know God might not be happy, but I'm not doing no real crazy stuff. That's how you go in and doing the wrong. But before you know it, you're doing more and more. Before you know it, you're in it longer than you thought. Before you know it, it's causing problems like you never thought. I remember one time, I still got the text if I need to pull it up. My oldest son downstairs in his room, he called me downstairs. Dad, you got to come talk to me. He's sitting on the bed. I said, what's up, son? He said, God was talking to me like he was sitting next to me. And the Lord told my oldest son, you're going around purchasing sin like you can afford it. told a dude you going around purchasing sin like you can afford it none of us can afford sin only the blood of jesus can recompense sin can can remit sin only the blood so when we start sinning we're kind of ignorant because we we sin in thinking that we can afford it we we sin in thinking that we can handle it we can't and it's not if the Lord don't come and deliver us from sin, we can't get delivered from it. You don't have the power. You, you don't have the power to say on your own, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm talking about sin. I'm not talking about exercise. I'm not talking about eating right. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about sinning, not pleasing God. You don't have the power within yourself to live a life that's pleasing and never offending, offend, offending God. You don't have the power to do that. This is why when people say to me, ah, I'm not ready yet to give my life to God, I just smile. I said, you think you have the power to be ready to give your life to God? You think when you give your life to God, you got the power to no longer do wrong? Is that what you think? Because that's what you're saying. When you say I'm not ready yet, that's what you're saying. That when I'm ready, I won't mess up no more. That's what we're saying. When I'm ready, I won't mess. You can never live a life for Christ and not mess up. So you better just, when God is pulling on your heart, you better just surrender to him and say, God, I 
I'm going to trust you to take me as far as you want to take me and live righteous as much as I can. And when I mess up, I need you to help me out of that mess. Because that's what your relationship, your Christian walk will be. You will never be perfect. But if you, when you mess up, will sincerely call on the Lord, he will help you up out of that mess. He will deliver you from that mess. But you got to realize you cannot live for God under your own power. You can't. So thinking that you will be ready to do it, that's a trick of the mind. You're deceiving yourself. Because when you're ready, you still can't do it on your own. When you think you're ready, that is. You know, some of us think, yeah, I got to wait till I get married. Got to wait till I have a family. That's when I think I'm ready. That's what you think? I don't want to tell you to do this, but I'll tell you ahead of time. You can get married and get the family and all that stuff, and you still won't be ready. Because it ain't you that's in charge of salvation. God is in control of salvation. You need the Holy Spirit in you, not, not, not influencing. You need the Holy Spirit dwelling in you to guide you, to restrain you from ungodliness and unrighteousness. You need the Holy Ghost working in you to make you now see the things that you used to like in a way where you're like, oh, how could I ever have liked that before? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then you need the Holy Spirit. You ready for this one? Here's some truth. And then you need the Holy Spirit for the things that you still like that's wrong. There's some things that when you got saved, you had to stop doing. But you still like it. But you had to stop doing it. But you still like it. And the only way you cannot go back to it is if God keeps you. That's facts right there, right, Ethan? Facts. Uh-huh. Just got to give you all that because sometimes y'all think I don't know it's facts. <laughs> all right. Let me finish up here. He went on and went on and verse 22 says, For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raised up unto you of your brethren like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever He shall say unto you, and it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and to those that follow after as many as have spoken have likewise foretold of these days. Ye children, ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, and in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Unto you first, God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. When I read that part of the text there, the ending there, something came to mind that I had to say, my God. And so here is where I'm going. Jesus, who is almighty God, manifest as man. In his humanity, among many offices he occupied, he was a prophet. So, you know, some other religions say he was just a prophet. He he was God almighty manifest in the flesh, but he was a prophet as well. You know, he occupied all those uh, different hats he was wearing. And so while he walked the earth physically, he preached, he ministered the word of God. When he ascended, he had equipped his disciples 
and continue to ask his disciples to equip others to continue the message, to continue what he had started. So if they did not hear Jesus and responded in obedience and in faith to his message, and they did not hear the messengers of Jesus, they couldn't be saved. It's still the same way today. Some of us want to get Jesus to come visit us privately, physically. Jesus, here I am. And you want to talk to Jesus and him sitting next to you like you can just touch him and talk to him and you and him can go on and on. That's the kind of invitation you want to be saved. And Jesus is saying, you got my preachers. If you don't hear them, then you you in trouble because they're doing the same thing I did. And everybody wants this special, you know, attention or special invitation from God. But God is saying, you got my preachers. You got my prophets. You've got my messengers. If you don't hear them, you will never be saved. You want me to give you proof? Luke 16, 25. But Abraham said, son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receiveth thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And beside all this between us and you, there is a great gulf fix. So that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify, preach, minister unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, nay, father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Church, I'm here to tell you, we're waiting for something special so we can be saved. We're waiting for something special so we can start living for God seriously. We're waiting for something special so we feel like we can start walking in our purpose and our calling. But I'm telling you, God is saying tonight, you've got my messenger standing right before you every week. You've got my servant preaching my message every week. If you're not hearing him, you can't hear me. And if somebody came from the dead and you didn't hear that person, you ain't going to hear nobody. So stop lying to yourself that, oh, God, if you just do a miracle, I'll start living right. Oh, God, if you let somebody raise up from the dead and come talk to me, I will listen then. You're deceiving yourself. Not so. Hear who God has placed before you to preach his word. That's what you're hearing. That's what's going to save you. That's what's going to lead you in your relationship with Christ. What you are conjuring up in your mind, whatever you're thinking that God needs to do, you are not God. God is God. And you can't tell God how to reach you because God knows how to reach you. If you don't know what your heart is like, how can you be reached by telling yourself what you need to know? No, only God can reach us because God knows everything about us. You don't know everything about yourself. Because the Bible says you don't know your heart. You don't know your heart. So if you don't know your heart, how can you trust yourself? 
The only way we can trust ourselves is in Christ. God, I can't trust myself because I'm a mess. And when I think I got it together, all of a sudden here I go going left, making a mess again. But if I just stay with you and you can guide me and you can show me and you can help me and speak to me out of your word and through your prophet, I will go with that. But God, I don't trust myself because if I could trust myself, I would be a whole lot further in life than I am today. But I don't trust myself, Lord. I need you to help me live my life. Be bold and say that. I'm saying that. I don't trust me. And I can't do this without Jesus. I'm stopping here tonight. There's power in the name of Jesus. And when the Lord told Peter, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He was saying, I'm giving you authority to use my name and demonstrate my power that people will come to know me. And people will get to be saved. Peter received the keys. And ever since Peter, every person that entered into the kingdom of God received the keys. Once we receive the revelation of who the Lord Jesus Christ is and we're filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, we have the keys. What are we doing with the keys? It's up to us. But God wants us to use those keys because we are not called to just 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 take what God has given us and run around and say, oh, look what I've got. God needs you to utilize what he has given you. Whatever he has given you, he wants to multiply that. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. He made two people. How many people on the earth now? Almost nine billion people on the earth now. But he made two. He started with two. There is nothing that God does that he wants it to just stay just the way it is. He wants it to multiply. He wants you to multiply. He wants your life to be multiplied. Not just stay dormant and do nothing. But the only way that's going to happen is if you start obeying God. The only way it will start happening where you will see that your life is moving, where you're growing, where you're starting to live the best version of yourself is when you begin to obey the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand. All God wants to do, church, he wants you to know him more intimately and more intimately because he wants you to live the best life you can live. God loves you so very much. We don't understand the potential that we have. And God is trying to wake us up to try to get us to just soar and to thrive and to live that life that he created for us to live, we just got to put ourselves in his capable hands and say, God, I trust you to work in my life. And the only way you do that is by obedience in obeying God's word. That's how you begin to live out your best life. There is nothing in life that's worth anything that's going to be easy. Now, if you live for God long enough, it will become your lifestyle and it won't feel like you're doing hard work. But at the initial stage of trying to be, even then, I don't feel like it was hard work because the life was so brand new and exciting that I just did whatever. And so I, I enjoyed the beginning of my Christian conversion because it was new. I was just happy with it. I just was so just joyous 
And, and so that was great. And so we did then. And even now, just living for God, as I said earlier when I came in, there's nothing like coming into the house of God. No matter how you feel what has been going on, when you come into the doors where you know God's presence and God's word is being spoken and, and, the, and God's people are there and just what we say is just clean and people are holy, it's nothing better than being in that presence, that atmosphere. And God wants to do something great in your life. God wants to do something great in all of your life. But we have to trust him. We have to utilize the keys. The keys is the name of Jesus, the revelation of who God is. The revelation. When, when we say that name, I will probably go over that with you next week. But that name of Jesus, it's a revelatory name. It's telling you that you know who God is. So you know how we said Oh, you know, I tell you all the time, faith is having the knowledge of who God is. When people begin to cry out the name of Jesus, Brother Izzy, they're not just saying a name. They're speaking faith. <laughs> saying the name of Jesus is not just saying a name. What you're doing is you're declaring and proclaiming faith. That's why miracles take place when people say the name of Jesus. Because there is power in the name, but depending on how you call on that name is demonstrating faith. Because when you call on the name of Jesus, you're saying, I'm calling on the almighty God who created everything, who became man and died on the cross and shed his blood. I'm calling on that name, the only name that can save the, the holy God, the the God that manifested himself that we can see him. When you say Jesus, you're not just saying Jesus. It's deeper than that. You're saying God Almighty, the one that creates, the one that heals, the one that delivers, the one that sustains. When you say Jesus, you're saying something different. That's why we can get miracles and we can see the demonstration of his power because the name is just above every name. The name is glorious. The name is powerful. The name delivers and heals. Demons tremble at the name of Jesus. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is nothing and no name like the name of Jesus because you're saying that, God, I know who you are. You revealed yourself to us and you did it by that name. That name is more than just the name. The name of Jesus is more than just the name. Let's praise the Lord tonight. Oh, God, we give you praise and honor. Oh, God, we bless your name. Oh, God, you're glorious. You're wonderful. Oh, God, there is none like you. We praise you. We magnify your name. You're glorious. You're wonderful, Lord. Let your will be done in this kingdom. Come in this church, in our life. Oh, God, we want your will be done. Your kingdom come in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, church. Give him praise. Bless the Lord. Give him honor. He's worthy of the praises. He's worthy of the glory. Oh, God, there is none like you. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, oh Jesus, wonderful Jesus, precious Jesus, oh.
Oh, how we love you. Come on, let's give him praise in this place. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We bless your name. Thank you, Lord. Church, you got to trust the Lord like you've never trusted him. You've got the keys to the kingdom. Now use the keys. Let God work in your life and know that whatever you're going to be, God is responsible for it. Put yourself in his hands and let God work in your life. God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of your night. Don't forget, give toward our building fund and be blessed tonight in Jesus' name. We have two guests with us. Don't go before we got to meet our guests and love them up before they go. Amen. Fitzroy and Tanya. Where are you, Fitzroy and Tanya? They're over here. Amen. We're so glad to meet you. We're so glad you came to our Bible study night. Amen. And so we're just glad that you have come. And whatever we can do, if you're looking to build a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have a relationship with him already and you're trying to build on it, you're in the right place. If you don't have a church home that you can call your church home, we want you to think about becoming a part of our family, this church, because God has taken us somewhere. If you want to go somewhere in Christ, you want to be in Christ-centered church. And so we welcome you to Christ-centered church. If there's anything at all that we can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. We love you, and we're thanking God for you being here tonight. God bless you, and we hope to see you again. Love them up. Let them know we're grateful they came to be with us tonight.